Welcome back to the Health, Wealth, and Happiness podcast with your hosts, Bailey Graff and Natalie Bolin, where together we create a safe space that allows you to live your best, less stressed life. Changing it up this week for our guest, Julia, who goes into tons of detail about avoiding burnout, using stress to your advantage, and what burnout even looks like and what you can do to navigate and avoid it. So super informational. I've already applied some of these tips after re-listening to this episode because I realized I wasn't doing all that I should be to avoid this mindset of just feeling not like yourself. Yeah, it's super relevant. And, you know, it's a theme that I feel like comes up very often for a lot of people. And Julia kind of just talks us through how to use stress to our advantage, how to balance stress at work, um, signs of burnout if you don't even know. So it's just very informational, very interesting. It was a really good episode. So Julia Ardent is the founder of the Peak Performance Method, a unique model combining critical productivity, mindfulness, and leadership tools to help forward-thinking individuals and organizations develop the next workplace superpower through scalable programs. Julia is a stress management trader and sought-after international speaker. She originally hails from Germany, has lived in five countries over the last 14 years, and speaks three languages fluently. After working at Google in Silicon Valley for seven and a half years, while the company grew from 30,000 to 100,000 employees, Julia has been running her own consulting and coaching business, helping over 5,000 employees at innovative companies better understand the effects of stress on the body and the mind, move beyond burnout, and build a mindful lifestyle that delivers focus, high energy, and productivity. Yes. And something else Julia has been working on is her peak performance planner, which actually launched in the new year. Um, It's great, super interactive. I think you can write in it. It helps with time management. And one specific thing about this planner is it's not bound to a specific start time. So you can start at any point in the year. So even though we're already through January, you can still pick it up, buy it and apply it to whatever day you start. So definitely wanted to call that out. The links will be in the show notes. You can buy it on Amazon and yeah, it's ready to go. Also, if you haven't already, please follow us on Instagram at hwhpod. We will definitely be sharing this planner in our stories. If you are interested in picking it up, um, just another easy way for you to find it. And leave us a rating on Apple Podcast and Spotify. And if you haven't already joined our monthly newsletter, we send out journal prompts once a month in that. You can join in our show notes or LinkedIn, all of our social media bios as well. Um, and a new fun thing on Spotify is polls in the podcast episodes. So for this one, we have a poll. Um, asking, are you burnt out? So we would love to know. We would love to hear from you. Um, And actually one more thing before we let you listen to Julia's episode, we forgot to mention that she also has her own podcast, um, which is it's playing to the name in our podcast episode stressed. So we will also link her podcast in the show notes as well. Yeah. So enjoy this episode with Julia. So why don't we just dig into it and start there? Like, can you tell us about how you started your coaching business and your podcast? Like what brought you to where you are today? Yeah. Great question. So 
In the, the summer of 2018, I experienced burnout. I was working at the time for seven years at Google in the Bay Area and Silicon Valley. Um, I uh, worked previously for them in Dublin, Ireland. So I moved uh, in 2014 to the US. And yeah, in the summer of 2018, I experienced burnout. And it was really interesting because I always considered myself an active and healthy person. I like went to the gym four or five times a week. Um, I, ate, I ate really healthy. I was really health conscious, but I still burned out. And that really surprised me. And I didn't really know how to really read or interpret the signals that I was getting at the time. I just knew that I didn't feel like myself anymore. And one of the factors of burnout is actually depersonalization, where you're not really feeling like yourself anymore. And I, I learned that way later. And I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> that totally makes sense because I just couldn't really, I just didn't really know what was going on. So I went to the doctor because I was just like, I just need some time off. I don't know what's going on. And they gave me at the time two questionnaires. So fun fact, the, by the World Health Organization, burnout was only recognized as an official disease in May 2019. So when I burned out, burnout wasn't a real thing yet. Like people would talk about it, but they, you know, there weren't any questionnaires or anything related to that. So they gave me at the doctor's office a questionnaire about anxiety and depression. And so I never had seen that before. And you know, it was really interesting for me to go through these different questions. And it was a really eye-opening moment for me because I was like, wow, I'm experiencing all of these things on a regular daily basis. And I had no idea. I had no idea that that was not healthy, right? It had almost become normal to me because, you know, burnout is not something that's happening to you from one week to another or from one month to another. I think burnout is a lot slower than that. Um, and so, yeah, so I decided to go on a three months medical leave in August 2018 and learned a lot about mental health, stress management, coaching, um, you know, morning routines, how to change my habits, learning how I got there, understanding how I got to that point and what were actually the signals of my body that I was burning out. And I know um, we want to talk a little bit about that later as well, but I'll just kind of keep it keep it like high level for now. Um, so yeah, so I did that. And then uh, when I returned to work, I decided that I wanted to help other people. I, at the time when I burned out, I felt extremely lonely. I felt extremely guilty. I felt extremely, um, uncapable, uncapable, or just like, I felt like I was, you know, I, um, in a way I failed, I failed at my job. I failed at, you know, with my team. And, and it was, you know, I, it was just something that I wanted to share because I didn't want other people to feel the same way. So when I got back to Google, I sent an internal email um, to a couple of different internal groups. There's a lot of internal groups and things like that and um, shared my story pretty openly and pretty vulnerably and to told the people, Hey, like I've done a lot of research and I've learned a lot of things over the last few months. If you are interested, I'm happy to provide a training on stress management. And I think in less than three days, I had over 300 people that reached out to me. It was pretty crazy. Over 300 people um, from globally, from all over the world that shared their story and said, hey, we're experiencing the same thing. Thank you so much for sharing. We would love to join the training. And so the first training I organized was in December 2018, and I had over 100 people that joined the training. And uh, 
And I was like, wow, this is incredible. And obviously at the same time, um, I was, I've, I was already in that phase. I I've been thinking about what to do with my life for a while. I was thinking for three years about what am I going to do? I was commuting between the Bay area and Lake Tahoe where I live today. And it wasn't a sustainable lifestyle. Um, I commuted every four days, 500 miles each way. And, um, and it was just tiring at the beginning. I loved it for the first year. And then the, and then I became a global project lead at a project um, started two businesses on the side. So I did a lot of things for sure that led me into burnout. <laughs> um, but I was like, okay, no, I need to make a decision. And I think one of the biggest things that was an eye-opening experience for me as well was that when I went back to Google, when I went back into that old rhythm of commuting and being back at work, I, I my anxiety that had finally kind of stopped roaring came up really quickly um, back to the levels that I had experienced before I, I went on the medical leave. So I decided, okay, I need to do something. I need to make this really big, scary decision that has been probably lingering for a long time. And so I decided to leave Google and start my own business um, in mental health and stress management to help not just Googlers, but people all over the world and from all different kinds of backgrounds and from all coming from all different kinds of companies or even entrepreneurs to overcome burnout and understand how they, how they can sustain their performance over time. And so before I actually left my job, I started my podcast. Uh, I think I published my first episode on January 1st, 2019. And, um, and so that was really fun and exciting for me. And yeah, and then I started my business in February, left Google and have been doing that ever since. Wow. I, the thing you were just talking about with commuting, um, from Lake Tahoe to the Bay area, I like resonate with that so much because not that I took a leave and I came back, but I feel like COVID in a sense was like a leave for a lot of people. I was commuting, an hour, 15 minutes every day, sometimes more with traffic, uh, to my job. And I don't know how I did it for so long. I did it for years, uh, two, three, four. I don't even, I feel like I was there at that company for like almost four years. So I was doing that commute every day. And then COVID happened, you transition to remote work and you're like, oh my gosh, how did I do that? And when you're challenged, like I remember when they were starting to open the office again and be like, okay, time to come back. I was like, I can't drive an hour and a half. Like, I don't know how I did it. I just can't get back into that. And that's when I started being like, oh wow. I was in like autopilot. I don't, I don't know if that was burnout. I didn't feel burnout in the time. Like I would honestly say sometimes I feel more burnt out now Mm -hmm. than I did then. Maybe, I don't know. I actually, I don't know. Who knows? I feel like sometimes you don't even notice that you have burnout. Um, oh, for sure. I didn't notice that I was burned out until the doctor gave me like the black, you know, the black on white kind of paper to be like, yeah, you're definitely, you know, not doing really well. And I'm like, yeah, I am not really doing well, you know? Yeah. So with that, what are some signs of burnout? <clears throat> what was on that questionnaire? Like, how did it mm-hmm. resonate with you? Like, what kind of things do they ask you? Yeah. So the f- I, I'm going to start with kind of overall, the three main signs of burnout are depersonalization. So you uh, feel not connected to your job anymore because usually b- burnout relates to work-related stress. But nowadays we also look at burnout already like in family life. It doesn't, ha- it's not just really limited to work, but initially it was. So depersonalization and the 
decreased sense of accomplishment. So you feel like you're working, 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 and you are not um, really getting where you want to be. You're looking for a lot of external validation um, to, uh, to be like, yeah, I'm doing the right thing. And then if you don't get it, you feel even more frustrated and even more stressed, even more overwhelmed because you work even more, but you don't have that sense of accomplishment. And then the third one is really emotional exhaustion. Um, but what I think with those three main factors of burnout, is the problem with that is, is that it doesn't talk at all about the physical symptoms of burnout and there are both. So there are mental signs that you are burned out and then there are physical signs that you're burned out. And physically from a stress perspective, let's kind of take, take a second and go into kind of that. So from a physical perspective, when you experience stress, you are in a fight or flight response. We've all heard about it, but we usually always think that when you experience fight or flight, it's in an emergency state, right? It's like a threat, a big threat, like a tiger is chasing you or you're sitting in a traffic jam and the car is coming really scarily close to you. Things like that, right? Where we really feel that rush of adrenaline. But when you are sitting in front of your computer all day long and you're working, you are actually also in the sympathetic nervous system state. So you are also in fight or flight and you are increasingly um, giving out stress hormones, adrenaline and cortisol. And so while you are in that state of stress, all of your main bodily functions are reduced to minimum functionality. Your digestive system, your immune system, your cardiovascular system, and your reproductive system. So imagine you're sitting at work all day and you're being kind of stressed, right? You have looming deadlines, you have difficult stakeholders and clients, um, you have a lot of emails in your inbox. All of these things actually increase stress because here's the next thing. A stressor is not just a physical stressor, but it can also be an emotional um, imagined stressor. So even just by thought alone, you can trigger the stress response. So the more stress you have, and then you have get that email from your boss that says, I really need to speak to you tomorrow morning, that will immediately increase that stress level in your body as well. And so while all of these important um, functionalities are reduced to minimum, your body is not working at maximum functionality. And so over time, that becomes a problem. So nowadays, all of, all of the illnesses that people go to, um, to see a doctor are 90% of those 90%, which is incredible, are stress-related because our digestive system is not working as it's supposed to be working. Our immune system is down. Our cardiovascular system is not working as intended. A lot of women have problems getting pregnant or they have a lot of miscarriages, right? We hear that all the time and people always wonder why is that happening? But it is, I believe, because there is a lot of stress in our society nowadays and it has an immediate impact on our health. So when I burned out, I experienced digestive issues. Definitely. I had very high anxiety. I couldn't sleep at night or I would like go to bed, had, had a hard time falling asleep. And then I would wake up at night, maybe because I need to use the bathroom, but instead of just going back to bed and falling back asleep, I would start to think <laughs> and I couldn't go back to sleep for an hour or two hours. And then I would wake up the next morning and felt already, you know, super tired, but then also anxious to get the day started and so on. So those were like both kind of the mix of physical symptoms and, um, emotional mental symptoms right because then all of these lead also into okay now i'm physically and mentally exhausted because i didn't sleep really well i'm going into my day i don't feel as focused and concentrated as i would like to be my stress levels go up even higher and your anxiety goes up even higher because your body is trying to balance that so 
anxiety and depression often times come hand in hand because during the day you're like super on and you're trying to push yourself to be productive. And then in the evening, you just kind of fall into the complete opposite where you're just like, wow, I'm super emotionally exhausted. This is all too much for me. I'm tired. Um, I'm feeling overwhelmed and so on. You know, besides that one, um, the one factor that I told that I said earlier that I wasn't really feeling like myself anymore was another big one, which was towards the end of my commuting time and towards the end of me burning out, I had more and more regularly thoughts around wishing I would be in an accident that I wouldn't have to commute anymore. So it wasn't really a suicidal thoughts, but I was definitely like, I don't know how I'm going to do this anymore. And I wish some external thing would just happen to me so I can stay at home and I don't have to, don't have to go into this hassle anymore. Um, and that was a, obviously a very scary thought. And that was kind of what brought me to seeking, seeking help. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. I can really relate to that too. I feel like I've been there before, um, which is unfortunate. I feel like a lot of people have. So my, my question for you, first of all, I think it's very interesting um, because I didn't know that burnout is now like being recognized as an illness. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that I used to think about it or what it felt like to me is that burnout was like little spurts, maybe a few days or a couple of weeks Um, where I was feeling burnt out rather than an illness. So I'm really curious, like in your opinion, do you feel like it's more of a long-term thing just because of a a situation you may be in like with work, or do you think you can go through spurts of it and kind of recover and get back into it? Or what do you think that process is like? Yeah, that's a really great question. I see the, I see similar things and different things at the same time. So a lot of the clients that I work with have experienced multiple burnouts um, over the over, over years because they would basically burn out and then they would take some rests, right? They would be like, okay, I need to take a medical leave, like completely remove myself from work. And I would get back into work, but I wouldn't change anything about what they were doing. And so they burn out again, like five, six months later, they burn out again. And so they are in this kind of vicious cycle of, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I'm taking time off. I'm getting back into it. My And usually at that time, obviously, right, when you take two to four weeks off, everything clears a little bit. So you're starting kind of anew, but then you have the same habits. And if you're not conscious about them, you just kind of, you know, work yourself down into that same rabbit hole. Um, I have, you know, for me, I've been obviously very conscious about it because I also started my own business and I really want, did not want to go back into burnout. So, you know, I, I was really adept at building new habits and routines into my life in order to avoid getting back into burnout because I was obviously prone to burnout in the first place. And I was just watching a YouTube video yesterday about burnout and, um, the YouTuber was talking about how she needed two years to get out of her burnout. So I feel like the recovery is different for everyone. But what I see is, is that if you're not doing anything really about it, you will get into it over and over and over again. I have a really good friend um, who was a peak performer and is a peak performer. And she experienced multiple panic attacks um, a year after I had my burnout. Um, And that was so interesting because, you know, she was such a such a high performer. She was such an an incredible person. I would have never thought that something like that would ever happen to her. And I'm sure she never thought that would happen to her either. Um, But she never stopped. And, um, and so, 
so she took a while as well to kind of recover um, from that because panic attacks is, is one of the things as well that you oftentimes see from a mental, from that cardiovascular perspective, right? When you talk to people that talk about panic attacks, they say they feel like they have a heart attack. And it is because from a stress perspective, there's too much, there's too high stress levels in your body and that affects your heart rate and it affects how your heart is beating and it can lead to a panic attack because you feel like you, you can't, you literally can't breathe anymore. And, um, and oftentimes, yeah, people feel like they, they die and they go to the emergency room in order to get help. Yeah. Panic attacks are definitely serious and something not to look over. I've only experienced one and it was minor, but it was in college and I just, it was, I couldn't focus on anything and it, it truly is the scariest thing ever. And I remember calling my mom and she had to pick me up like mm. late at night that night when I was having it. Cause I never experienced it and I didn't know what it felt like. So, um, yeah, it's definitely a sign of being, it was because of a deadline for a school essay. So it can definitely be triggered by some things and sometimes not. But, um, so my thought here is, okay, so these are the signs of burnout. How do we avoid them? Because what if, you know, what if a medical leave isn't an option for someone? What if they, that like cannot afford to do that. Or I don't know, they don't have a job where they offer medical leave, or I don't know, you know, there's so many different circumstances. What are some ways to kind of attack or battle burnout, you know, before yeah. you even feel that way? Or if someone's listening and like, oh my gosh, I'm starting to feel this. What do yeah. I do? Yeah. Great question. So I mean, there's obviously a million different things that I would love to talk about. Um, I'm trying to limit it to a few. Um, so first of all, we need to think about two things. There are the stressors. So the things that stress us in the first place and then bring us into those higher elevated stress levels. And then there are, and then it is, then there is stress that we experience. And I think we need to tackle both. So stress. So let, let's talk about the easier part. So when you're experiencing high levels of stress, we need to relax because we basically need to signal to our body that we are actually, in fact, not in danger, right? And our bodies think we literally are in danger. So you basically need to signal to your nervous system, to your so-called parasympathetic nervous system, that you are in safety and that they can go back to growth and repair and rest and digest. It's kind of those two kind of buzzwords. So the sympathetic nervous system is fight or flight. And then the parasympathetic nervous system is rest and digest or growth and repair because it helps you to get back into, you know, into helping your body performing at the level that it's supposed to perform at when it is in normal state. The fun fact is that it only takes 90 seconds, nine zero to get from a sympathetic state into a parasympathetic state. And that is one of the reasons why, the breath has become so powerful. Meditation has become super powerful. I'm not saying you need to breathe or you need to do yoga or meditation in order to relax, but it is one of the helpful tools to do. And it's one of the quickest tools, because if you think about it, when you're in stress state, you have shallow breathing because you feel like there's all these different external threats and attacks. And so by taking some mindful deep breaths, even just taking three breaths in between a meeting can help you to really relax for a moment or even before you eat your food. So that's another fun fact that I actually learned from a podcast guest of mine um, who's a nutritionist was that before you start to eat your food, take five deep breaths to signal to your nervous system that you are actually in safe state 
and that your digestion works as you want it to work. Because if you are in, in the stress state and then, you know, and then maybe you experience um, digestive issues after you're eating, it's probably a sign that you've been in a very, very stressed state and your stomach doesn't even really have time to digest the food. Um, so yeah, so stress, we need, we need to relax that we need to recharge, right? We need just as we plug in our phones, we plug in our laptops on a, sometimes multiple times during the day to give it juice, um, to, to recharge those batteries. We need to do that for ourselves as well. And I think people often think, oh, I'm just going to go on vacation and three months from now or in six months now from when the project is over. And that's not enough. You need to practice self-care on a daily basis. Every single day, there should be some time somehow for five, 10, 15 minutes to, to recharge and relax. And, and that can be no matter what you enjoy doing. This is the most important part. It doesn't matter if you like to journal, if you like to sing or dance or exercise or run or go outside in nature or be with your friends or play the guitar or meditate or do yoga, like anything is possible. There's literally no restrictions, but do something that helps you to get into this joyful state. That is the one part. But then obviously you can do that for 10 minutes, but then you go back to your desk job <laughs> and you have all these looming deadlines. Your stress levels are obviously right back up um, through the roof. So you also need to address the stress, sir. And that is obviously a little bit more tricky usually because it requires more it requires more awareness. It requires more action. It requires more discipline in like going through with this. But one of the biggest things that I see my clients struggle with and which I think can, a lot of people can relate to is time and calendar management. So when you're looking at the numbers from the World Health Organization in 2021, nine of 10 US workers experience burnout, 89%. That number has significantly increased, as you can imagine, during the pandemic. It was seven out of 10 in 2019. So we have an increase of 20%. And the top factors fueling burnout are all time management related. 29%, for example, are not really clear on their priorities. 49% um, have difficulty to disconnect from work after work. 61% um, spend their time on work about work. So they spend time in meetings, doing some research, planning for the day. And so it all kind of shows, it kind of all relates back to time management. And obviously with time management comes setting boundaries. So saying no to things, being clear on how realistic can I be with my time? How much can I take on? And so, um, you know, if somebody is listening right now and you are experiencing burnout, the first thing, if you can't take a medical leave, if you can't take a few, it doesn't even have to be a medical leave, right? It could be just taking a few days off, taking mindfully a weekend off right because we all have weekends hopefully um and to really do a status quo check-in and be like where am i how am i feeling and what has led me to this place what are, what do i feel like are currently my biggest challenges and to really sit down and identify those because with awareness, we can do so much more than if we are trying to juggle all these different things in like the next two minutes. Uh, awareness really helps. And for me, writing things down really helps to uh, create some structure around, okay, what is going on and what can I actually do? And then I always say the first step to being more mindful is this to uh, yeah to choose maybe one or two things that you can start to do. So for me, 
the biggest change that I made at the beginning when I went into medical leave was uh, my morning routine. Because at the beginning um, or before I burned out, I would wake up in the morning, roll over, take from my phone from my bedside table and check all of my emails and check all of my messages. And that would already put me in high anxiety state because I was like, I need to do all of these things. And I would probably spend way more time in the bed than I should have. And then I would get up and I would already be in a hassle to get ready for work, drive to work, get, get settled there. And um, I was, you know, even though I had just started my day, my anxiety levels were already way higher than they were supposed to be. And so when I, when I burned out, I was really mindful to spend the first hour of my day without my phone. And that's really significantly changed my life. Um, but I would basically get up, force myself to not look at my phone and not at my messages in the morning, telling myself that the people that have been trying to reach out to me have already been waiting. So if they would need to wait another 60 minutes, that would probably hopefully not make a huge difference to them, but it would still make a big difference to me and how I was showing up and how I was feeling. And so um, I really love to journal and I basically would sit down every morning to journal about um, what I feel grateful for, what has been going on in my life, um, in my head, right? Maybe writing to-do lists, whatever kind of would come up for me, but that would really help me to decrease that anxiety that I was experiencing and to really start my day in a more mindful, accomplished way in a way as well, because I felt accomplished when I started my day that way. We're going to take a quick pause to talk about one of our favorite partners, Seed. If you want to take care of your gut health, Seed is for you. It is a daily prebiotic and probiotic supplement. They call it a symbiotic because it's both. Um, And we love Seed. Yeah, it is made up of 24 clinically studied naturally occurring strains. And these you cannot find in your kombuchas and yogurts. So you can only get it from an effective probiotic such as Seed. Yes. And so Nat and I started taking seed for our skin health and our gut health. Personally, I was having a lot of anxiety over the winter and it was really affecting my gut health. It was insane. But something that I love about seed is their Viacap technology, which you can actually see if you shine it up into the light. There's two different capsules. So part of it dissolves in your stomach. The other half of it dissolves in your digestive tracts. So you know, it's going to survive to the places that like these strains need to go. Yeah. And they're also extremely sustainable with their glass jar refill system. You'll get a refill every month. And with this, there's no plastic packing materials. Everything is recyclable or biodegradable. And even one of the foam insulators dissolves in water. Like you don't even need a fancy little system to decompose it. It's really cool. Yep. And obviously it's vegan, it's gluten-free, no refrigeration required, which is great for traveling. And if you want to try it, use the code HWH at checkout to receive 15% off your first month and free U.S. shipping with every order. And you can always cancel or skip a month at any time, but you're not going to want to. Yep. And I'm just going to repeat it. Use code HWH at checkout to receive 15% off your first month, free U.S. shipping, every order, cancel, or pause at any time, but you won't want to. That was a long answer to your question. (laughs) No, that's super, super helpful. Um, I think just talking through that is really useful because so much of it starts with awareness. I think some people 
realize that they're burnt out and then they get really worried, but that's really the first step. Because if you even notice that you're burnt out, that's amazing because that really is the first step to like taking that action. And something that I've noticed that's helped me a lot too, because obviously stressors are always going to come up, um, in your life and you can kind of set your space as best as you can, but they're still going to come up. They're still going to happen, but like framing those stressors, like really breaking them down and like saying like, why is this stressing me out? Why is this scary? Like, and I'm an overthinker. So a lot of the times my stressors didn't have to be stressors, but in my like tiny little world, they were, but if I talked it out, uh, someone would just be like, that's that you shouldn't be stressed out about that. Like, that's really okay. Um, so it's sometimes just communicating that as well and like talking through it, which can kind of help, I think. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I also wanted to say the whole time management thing, I don't think it clicked until just now, but when you were talking about like time and feeling like you have so much to do and there's not enough time and you spend time in meetings, but then when you're, when are you supposed to do these actual like pieces of work, not just sitting in a meeting. And then while you were talking, I was like, oh my gosh, I always knew I was like, kind of like a yes person. Like I have trouble saying no, if someone's like, do you have enough time to do this? And I'm like, I think like I have the difficulty actually like blocking out my time and being like, okay, this task will probably take me realistically like one hour, two hour. Like I, my, I don't do that. I don't look at things. I look at it as a whole. I'm like, okay, I have this list. Yeah. I'll get to it like this week. But I think the time management aspect of like blocking it out and making it structured would really benefit me. And I, it didn't really click until you were just talking. I was like, oh my gosh, I definitely, I struggle with that. I'm really, really bad at it. (laughs) Yeah. And a lot of people are because we never learned how to manage our calendar. We never learned how to manage our time. We never learned how to say no and set boundaries. So um, it's really powerful. It's been really interesting um, to to work with people because the first year when I started my business, I was focusing more on stress management tools. I was to- focusing more on the stress than the stressor. And then just over time working with my clients, I realized, wow, the, they actually really struggle with their time. Wow, they really struggle with their boundaries. And that's how I came to create the peak performance method. So the model um, that consists of nine different components because I think there's there's not just unfortunately one specific tool that will help you overcome burnout. I think it's really a combination of understanding yourself, understanding your values, starting to practice self-care on a regular basis and be building habits and routines. And then also from a work perspective, starting to set better boundaries with your time and other people about how much you can get done. And, you know, I love what you were, were actually saying that about um, being realistic about the you know, the projects that you have, because one of the things that I always tell my clients or that I teach as well is to say, okay, what are my top two to three priorities today? And just to focus on these specific tasks and to make sure that those tasks are also reflected on your calendar. Because if you are in 15 back-to-back meetings all day, but you also have these other two priorities that are really important to finish today, then there's, there's something off, right? And I always say to people, if you feel like you have never enough time in a day to get everything done and you look at your calendar and you look at your priorities, that is usually always the first step where you can make a significant change because 
from again experience working with clients and working with big groups um 50 of our meetings are actually not 50 or less of meetings are not aligned with our priorities and so if you really need to save time that is where you can save time um and when we start to create these priorities because that's also a difficult thing to do the two biggest challenges that people have is to be realistic and specific because the more specific you can be on the priorities that you have the more realistic you realistically you can then ask yourself the question can i actually get that done in this time frame or is that way too much because as peak performers we oftentimes think that we can do everything right we we always take on more and more things because we think we are capable and we've maybe proven you know in our 20s that we are capable but you know you were already talking about a panic attack in college like i definitely had burnout spurts in college as well because there was so much stress and so much to do and just also just how I perceived it was stressful I think um Bailey you were saying that earlier I thought it was really interesting yes I think it is helpful to talk with other people about it because they might help you gain perspective of what is stressful and what is not stressful but it's still your perception um and sometimes even if we talk with somebody about it it might still not help us we still we might still need tools to overcome it. We might still need to create new habits around it in order to uh, get out of that. That makes yeah. sense. Yeah. And so like another thing that's kind of popping in my head um, that maybe you can give me insight on is, so like I, maybe I guess I'm quote unquote a peak performer because I, this is where I struggle. Like I realized, okay, time management, I need help with in some regards. But the thing is, I think I do it to myself because I, I always get everything done. Like I've never like missed deadlines. Like I still do it. And that's where I think my issue is, is like, and that's where the burnout comes in is because yeah, I I get it done, but is it, I just think I use time that I shouldn't be using. Like I'm going above and beyond the 40 hour work week and I don't even track it truly. So maybe I, you know what I mean? Like to me, I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, I mean, I don't work late nights. Like, but I I do feel like, okay, am I taking enough breaks throughout the day? Am I doing what I need to? And then mentally I'm like, oh, but I get it all done. Like I'm good. I'm good at time management. I get it done. (laughs) Uh uh Okay. So that's a good point. So one of the biggest learnings I had personally was that with taking breaks, with actually taking breaks, taking mindful breaks, I would get more done in less time. And I know that always, we always hear that and we're like, ah, yeah, sure. You know, we don't really believe that, even though I'm saying it and you're both nodding to me right now (laughs) in the camera. Um, I know that we don't, we don't really do, we don't really practice that. So when I started my own business, I would sometimes work, you know, until two or 3 PM in the afternoon, nobody would force me right now. All of a sudden I'm by myself, but this is my routine, right? This is what I've learned over many years of working in in corporate America or even just in corporate because I also worked in in Europe. Um, And I would just push myself for no reason to just because I thought I need to get this done. And then, you know, it would be two or three o'clock in the afternoon and then I would be starving. So I would be like, okay, I really need to eat something. And then I would eat and then I would kind of go into this afternoon dip or the slump because I, my body just didn't get enough energy. And now all of a sudden my body's working really, really hard to try to get that energy out of, out of my nutrition. And, and then I would just kind of push myself. Um, and so over the years, obviously trying to practice what I'm preaching, 
I really realized and have become to enjoy that when I am taking these breaks and when I'm so much more mindful about what I need on a regular basis, I also still get everything done, but in a really much better time frame. Um, and I think we don't really believe that we don't really trust that because our experience is different, right? We just think only if I work that many hours, I will get that thing done. But, you know, I, I always like, I, I have a really wonderful client at the moment. She's a VP at a startup company in Silicon Valley. And she, um, she always says, well, if I'm really focused and concentrated, I can get this task done in one hour. And if I'm not really focused and concentrated, I probably need three hours, And it's really, it's good awareness, right? Um, and I always tell her, well, then take a break. So you are focused and you just need one hour to do this thing, right? Because if you imagine you could take a two hour break to get that thing done in one hour instead of working three hours. And so the only way of how to do that though is to push yourself and force yourself into this discomfort uh, from a mental perspective and be like, I am going to take this break right now. And I'm, I know that it's going to be uncomfortable and I know it's going to feel selfish and I know it's going to, I'm going to feel guilty about maybe taking a nap or going outside or whatever you need to do in order to take that rest and that relaxation. But when you come back, you'll be amazed how much more productive you will be in a short period of time. That's so true. It, it reminds me almost too of like, if you compare that to, your physical body. It's like, if you're working out or if you're on like a, a workout regimen and you want to like, I don't know, run further than you ever have, like you can't push yourself all, like all the way up until that moment. Like it's best to like have a break, like do yoga one day, and then you'll be able to push yourself even further. Like your mind and like our mental, um, just our mental space is the same. You really have to give yourself breaks. Yes. I love that analogy to sports. I love sports. And um, yeah, the runner doesn't run 24-7. The runner runs one hour or two hours per day. And then they take a rest day and then they run another hour and they push themselves in that hour. But they have to, when they flex their muscles, they also have to release the muscle in order for the muscle to grow. And it's the same thing with our mental capacity and our mental endurance. Right. So you keep touching on uh, the peak performance method, but can you tell us a little bit more about it? Yeah. So through the experience of working with clients um, and groups over the first year, I identified basically nine different components that I really believe are kind of the, you kind of have to bring them all together in order to sustain performance over time. And I already mentioned a few, but the first kind of the first layer is your um, just understanding yourself, understanding your values, understanding what you need in order to practice self-care. So what really relaxes you and then building habits. I bring a lot of neuroscience into my training because usually the peak performers that I work with, I, they need a lot of convincing and they need a lot of um, data for their minds to understand why, are, why am I actually doing this? And um, so there's a lot of research around how do you build a habit and how the, is your brain wired and how do you change, how do you change the rewiring of your brain? And then the second part is really how to increase productivity. So as peak performers, we want to be productive. We want to uh, perform. We want to be at our best. And I believe that you can do that by managing your time better, because here's the next problem. When you are in corporate America, especially, but also if you are a successful entrepreneur, it doesn't get less work. It just becomes more work. So the higher you go up, the more, the more successful you are as an entrepreneur or the more successful you are at your company and you get more and more promotions, 
the more work is waiting for you. It's not like the work is getting less. So you have more responsibility. You have more people that want to talk with you and your time is getting even more restrained. And so I think to master time and to master setting boundaries is so, so important, so important. And so the second layer, the second part of the peak performance method is focused on increasing productivity. So time management, calendar management, setting boundaries, and how to vulnerably communicate your boundaries as well. I think that's super important. And then the third layer is really to develop personal, it's more like about personal development. And the three parts in there are resilience, mindset, and emotional intelligence. Emotional intelligence is really interesting. We talk a lot about it as leadership tools in organizations, right? Because there's a lot of actually connection between emotional intelligence and performance. So the more emotionally intelligent you are, the more performant you are. Actually, there are a lot of research. There's a lot of research research that says, I think around 60, you are um, 60% more performant if you have high emotional intelligence. So really interesting. And so emotional intelligence kind of brings it all together because once you have created all of that awareness around yourself and you've been capable you've been able to build these habits and to build these tools, you are actually able as well to help other people. And I really love that. So yeah, so those are the nine components of the peak performance method. And um, that's basically what I'm teaching when I work um, with clients, when I work um, in corporate settings, and then also in my program. That's awesome. So you say corporate settings, does that mean, so do you go into businesses and kind of coach them on these topics? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I work mostly with tech companies. I work a lot with Google. I work a lot with Facebook. Um, I've been doing workshops for Uber, for Swisscom, Zalando, like big um, kind of international companies in Europe. Um, and I teach their employees how to manage stress. So it's usually 60 to 90 minute workshops. And we focus on one specific topic um, that the team is struggling with right now. So oftentimes the, 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 the most popular ones are burnout. So how to overcome and avoid burnout, time management, um, how to set boundaries and how to navigate change. Those are the fear, the four big ones um, that I'm currently doing. I have more workshops than that, but those are the ones that are the, the corporate workshops that always get a lot of traction. Yeah. So as like a corporation or a business, how can, is it like, is it part of their responsibility to make sure their employees are mentally healthy? I think it's a shared responsibility. I think it would be wonderful, of course, to see your organization invest in your mental health. But let's say it is not. Let's say you're either an entrepreneur, you have to take care of your mental health yourself, or you have an organization that is not that progressive. Then you can't just be sitting there and pointing the finger and being in that victim mindset. That's why mindset is part of the big performance method. You know, you can't just be sitting there and being like, I can't do anything about this because my company is not investing in mental health. So my hands are tied. Like, you know, there's no, for me, there's no value on your health, right? Because we all know that when we are not feeling well, we can't do anything else. We can't be there for our friends, for our partners, for our family. We can't show up to work the way we want to work. So I say it's a shared responsibility in the ideal case, because in the ideal case, the organization promotes mental health and helps maybe with mental health days or hiring a trainer like me. Um, But then, you know, the next thing is, will you show up to these offerings? Like I, I work with companies all the time that tell me they have, 
you know, 200 people organizations, 1000 people organizations, and they make those trainings um, not mandatory. So, you know, people can show up if they want to, they don't have to. And then I have 15 or 20 people of a 200 people organization that show up. So there's only 15 to 20 people that are really willing to do the work. And so, yeah, so, you know, it's, it's, you can't just point the finger and say, oh, but my company creates all of these really unhealthy structures that I can't break through. And that is why it's their fault. And I can't do anything about, I think you can always do something about there's always something we can do, right? Even me as a stress management coach, there's probably still many things I can do to get, to get even better, right? There's always room for growth. And so, yeah, so I think, like I said, in my opinion, it's, it's, it's nice if it would be shared, but even if your organization does not invest at all in mental health days or in stress management or in productivity tools, it is still your responsibility. Because if you want to show up as your best self, then you need to ask yourself, how can I do that? And what do I need in order to show up? Yeah, that's a really good point. I think you, I mean, ultimately nothing's going to change unless you change, right? Like you yeah, really exactly. have to support yourself um, with, with any of these things. So something that I've seen you talk about a lot online and what I'm really interested in hearing about um, is using, obviously stress is going to continue to come up throughout our lives. Um, and you talk about how to use stress to our advantage. And I'm so curious yeah. um, as to how we can do that. Yeah. So when you wake up in the morning, your stress levels naturally increase. There's something called the stress performance curve. If someone is curious to look it up on Google, Google images, um, st stress performance curve, you can see that if you don't have stress, you're not performant. The reason being is, is that you need adrenaline and cortisol in order to get work done and in order to be focused. The problem in our today's society is, is that we have too much stress. We have too, and, and the performance curve is like a bell curve. So it's not like, you know, the more stress you have, the more performant you are. At some point it stops and the bell and the curve goes back down because then your performance decreases because we are not built, as we were talking about the runner earlier, we are not built to work 24 seven, our, our nervous systems, our physically, we, we just cannot do it. We're not built that way. And so I always laugh when people say, create a stress-free life or we can probably manage stress, but we cannot have a life without stress because stress is part of our natural bio cycles. So we have a natural increase of adrenaline and cortisol in the morning that help us to get up, that help us to be performant, that help us to be focused, but we need to learn how to basically manage it on a healthy level. So we can use, and we need to use actually stress to our advantage if we want to be productive and performant in our day to day. Um, so that's kind of the, the secret of stress management. It's, it's not that you can have a stress-free life or you, have, you can have a life without stress. It's impossible. And if you wouldn't have stress, you wouldn't get done. You wouldn't, you wouldn't get anything done. You wouldn't even get out of bed in the morning. So, um, so it's just the association is just different, right? Because as soon as we hear stress, we're like, ooh, the stress is like negative, you know? Yeah. That, I mean, that's definitely the, mm -hmm. the, I guess is a connotation is the appropriate word, um, yeah. what the word stress or mm -hmm. annotation. I'm, I get those mixed up all the time, but, um, yeah, stress is a funny thing, but I do, I've heard that before where, you know, if you look at it a different way, like you wouldn't get anything done without a sense of 
urgency without a sense of this needs to be done or I need to do this. Um, and then it, it gets into, I've heard it referred to as like shoulding is like when you should yourself, you tell yourself you should do things. That's when it's like the added stuff that you don't need to be doing. Um, so it's just perspective and definitely learning to manage and cope, I think is like the biggest takeaway here. And, you know, I could literally talk to you forever about this stuff and you can, we can tell like <laughs> you're definitely educated on the subject and you definitely have the experience and it's really cool to hear you know, that you are doing these, um, what, what did you call them? Like, uh, workshops, workshops with corporations and working one-on-one with clients. That's awesome. Um, I do want to give you a moment to shout out. I know you have like a planner coming out in the new year, which is when this episode will be launched. So how does that relate to stress management and like, what's, what's in it to help people out? Yeah, yeah. I'm really excited about this. So I, I mentioned already in my morning routine, I love journaling. So when I started my business in the back of my mind, I was always like, I one day I want to build a journal because it would be so cool um, to, uh, to just help people with that. And I'm just so passionate about journaling and it's helped me so much in my own journey. And so as I, you know, build my business and talk to more people, there were just a few things, like I said, that always kept coming up, right? Around time management, about prioritization, about um, creating awareness around how you're actually feeling, because we do ignore a lot of the signals that we are receiving from our bodies and minds on a daily basis. And so when I built my first program in 2019, my first eight-week program, um, I did a, a I did kind of like a, a daily stress log, I called it. And so people had to uh, log for eight weeks how they were feeling on a daily basis. There were a couple of different questions around how are you feeling? What did you do for yourself today to uh, to recharge yourself? Um, what are you feeling grat- grateful for? What were the prevalent thoughts on your mind today? So those kind of things. And initially, when I started that and my participants started to go through the program, they they didn't really like this exercise, especially when they weren't really a big fan of journaling in the first place. But, you know, they were, they were peak performers. They were like, okay, you know, we signed up for this program. We're going to make it work for, the, for, those, for those eight weeks. And that was actually the most powerful exercise people did. So they would come back to me after a few weeks and be like, wow. I really didn't believe in this, but just writing down how I was feeling and what I was doing for myself on a daily basis was again, such an eye opener for me, right? Was so they just created awareness. We just, you know, you know, kind of opened it up to, to pointing a little bit more a finger of what, um, what they were doing or what they were not doing. And so with that came the idea of creating a planner that basically included some of these questions. So I created the peak performance planner. I'm going to show it here in the camera for a second. So peak performance planner comes in white and in turquoise. Uh, You can see it in the back as well. And um, so the peak performance planner is basically a mix of journaling prompts and a mix between of journaling prompts, getting really clear on your priorities on a daily, weekly, and monthly basis. And at the same time, taking care of your mental health. So it's actually a mix of kind of the productivity tools and the self-care, gratitude, resilience mindset tools that I'm talking about in the peak performance program. And um, yeah, and it's really beautifully designed with a designer in Germany. Um, And uh, yeah, it's coming out in January. So I'm really excited about it. That is so exciting. Congratulations. Um, journaling is such a big part of 
everything that we do too, we try to send out weekly journal prompts to our listeners. And it's just like something that we just advocate for um, so often. Like journaling is just so useful and it has helped aid Nat and I's growth uh, throughout our lives. So I think that's amazing. I'm so excited to see the journal. Um, but we, we do like to end our podcast all with the same question. So Julia, how are you living your best life? I think by finding a good balance between being really focused on my job and my passion and at the same time recharging myself on a regular basis and doing the things that I love. That's how I live my best life. Love it. And for the listeners who either want to purchase your planner, where can they buy it? What is your Instagram? I know you also have a podcast. Share any socials that you want to promote. Yeah, cool. Um, so the pr- probably the best site to visit for everything is peakperformancemethod.com. Um, that's where you can find all the links. Um, the planner is going to be available on Amazon. So if you're looking or if you're hopefully in January by while you're listening to this episode, it is already online. So if you're looking for the peak performance planner, it should be listed on Amazon. Um, I have a podcast that's called Stressed, S-T-R-E-S-S-D. So without the E in the middle. And the Stressed podcast, um, I've been doing it for three years now and just published my 150th episode last week, which is really exciting. Um, consistency pays off. And, um, and I have... I'm really present on social media and both on Instagram and YouTube. I produce a video every week on a, sus- on a tool on how to sustain performance. Um, my YouTube channel is under my name, Julia Arndt, A-R-N-D-T. And then my Instagram is Julia Arndt Coaching. Those are all my social media handles. But yeah, I think either my name or the peak performance method, I think when you Google it, there's pretty much everything that's coming up nowadays. <laughs> the YouTube channel, Instagram and so on. Yeah. That's so wonderful. Julia, thank you so much for sharing. You are a wealth of information and I hope everyone listening uh, took some great tips from you and hopefully is living um, a life that leads to less burnout. So thank you so much for sharing. Yes, my pleasure. Thank you so much for having me and for the opportunity to speak to your audience. 